the kind of where am I at today is really more about, well, let's just put it on paper. Let's, let's test your current tax situation now. Let's look at maybe when you're semi-retired or retired or when you're thinking about taking Social Security or turning on your pension if you have one. And then let's look at it now when you take your required minimum distributions and let's see how much it actually changes with no tax law changes. But then also let's look at the long-term element of from a tax risk management standpoint for the future. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Welcome into All Things Retirement. I'm Ben George, along with Anthony Alpha at Cardinal Wealth Group. We're talking today about why you don't assume in retirement. It's very important that you, you're buttoned up, you know exactly where you're headed, you know the, the steps of the process to get there. But there are some common assumptions that a lot of people just believe or have heard. And, you know, on surface, they make sense, right? But we're going to tell you today why these assumptions might not apply to you and why they can actually get you in trouble in retirement if you aren't careful. Anthony, welcome in. How are you today? Uh, doing great, Ben. A little under the weather today, but otherwise doing pretty good. Think a little bit of an allergy change today. Yeah, that time of the year, you know, it's it's still we're still in that that uh, you know post well not post pandemic but the back end of the pandemic where as soon as you start feeling sick if if you if you sniffle or you cough in public it's like oh boy watch out <laughs> I know I know I'm very uh, self aware of that <laughs> but it's also a good sign of good weather to come so hopefully uh, we're on the up and up so excited for some uh, weather change even if it means uh, feeling a little under the weather for a couple weeks if, yeah well I'll, we'll we'll all trade that off if we have to but isn't that true right any cough sneeze i feel like eyeballs are just yep. on you all of a sudden like is he a carrier i'm like no I, it's just i swear it's a cold for my daughter yeah exactly exactly well look if you haven't joined us before anthony as i mentioned certified financial planner he's the founder of cardinal wealth group he's got a lot of information on his website at cardinalwg.com we put all of our podcasts there as well so uh, if you haven't listened to past episodes or you want to go back and check out some other topics we've covered over the last year or so, you can always find that on the website at cardinalwg.com. we got mailbag questions to come up a little bit later, and we're going to get into our main topic of conversation today here in a second. But I want to lead off with the headline, a little bit of news, and get your reaction to the discussion on minimum wage, Anthony. You know, a lot of the Congress has been talking about the $15 minimum wage for a while, right? It's not, it's not, it's not a new conversation at all, but it seems like... Maybe it's picked up a little bit of steam these last couple of weeks. When you hear about it, and and, and you know maybe in your area you've you've seen, especially in the Northeast, we've seen more of those those minimum wage hikes kind of taking effect in some different areas. But when you see these, how do you think it's going to affect the economy? What's your what's your perspective of of this potential uh, change? And I can remember when I was getting like four dollars and seventy five cents an hour when yep. I was like <laughs> fourteen years old working at the golf course, but. It was all a hustle for the uh, tips anyway. But, yep. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm not an economist, but I think that it's a um, kind of a catch-22 uh, and certainly something that I think business owners kind of feel a squeeze initially. Maybe not all, right? I think some industries are going to be insulated from that, certainly going to be passed on to the consumer in, in some situations and maybe not much of a difference. But I think... For you know, restaurants and, and industries like that that operate on low, tight margins, that 
that can really have a negative effect on them. Um, but largely, I think long-term wise, raising the minimum wage ultimately would probably have a, a, a bettering effect too, because when you give people more money, they're going to spend it. And we are in a society that benefits from people spending. And so I think ultimately long-term having people have, we'll call it more of a livable wage. And I, again, I don't know that it should happen overnight because that, that is a big impact for business owners, right? And they're going to look at ways to offset that, whether it's producing, you know, less of an ideal product, uh, cutting corners, or maybe firing and laying off people, right? And making some of those type ways to make their own overhead numbers work. But I do think long term, it will have a benefit with people spending, being able to afford more and buying more stuff, ultimately. Yeah, hopefully. I think that's the intended effect. So hopefully it will go as, as everybody hopes and uh, it'll have a positive impact, but definitely something we'll keep an eye on and we'll discuss more if this ever comes into play because we've seen so many, so many different uh, changes already in mm-hmm. stimulus and relief and everything else. So this just could be one that's uh, maybe down the road a little ways, but we'll definitely keep an eye out on it. All right, so let's jump into our conversation today on assumptions. Just like you can't assume that $15 is going to change everything, you can't assume a lot of times in retirement that certain things are going to happen or you can just expect certain things to play out the way you've heard or maybe you've read somewhere or somebody's told you at some point. So let's run through some of these common assumptions because I think these are important in the uh, idea that if you kind of follow these or you kind of stick to these and you don't have a plan, you haven't built a, a strong, solid plan, then it, this could really get you in trouble in many cases. So the first area is spending. Uh, we kind of talked on that a little bit with the $15 minimum wage. But spending right now, when you look at retirement compared to where you are in your career, you might automatically just think, listen, I'm going to be spending less, right? I'm not going to be – I don't have to go to work every day. I don't have maybe – I have fewer bills i gotta, I got to focus on day to day. Maybe my mortgage just paid off in retirement. Whatever it is, you just assume spending will be less. So how can this assumption – Uh, maybe get you in trouble, Anthony. Well, I I would say that we're kind of creatures of habits, and I don't see that shift change quite as much as I think some people have in their heads initially. I've had a client or two or three early on uh, when this process of shifting from spending or accumulating money to, to now going to distributing money for retirement who maybe made about $250,000, $300,000, and they say, you know, I think I'm only going to need about eighty, seventy-five thousand dollars $75,000 to live off of. And, you know, my words are like, well, let's maybe plan where you are now and see how that works. And if it does work, great. You can always spend less. But also, you know, if you really are that adamant about it, that's perfectly fine. But why don't you try living on $80,000 before and see if that's actually a real reality because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just such a big difference. Now, if there's some logic there, right, and we start backing out things like the, the home's going to be paid off, the um, the kids, you know, I've, I've been paying for a bunch of kids' school or uh, weddings and home upgrades, these all things, right, there's some logic there and that might make some sense, but most people, that's just not really the, ki- the case. I think you know, there might be a shift, right? Maybe less on kids, but 
you know, you might be spending more on healthcare plans, right? You went from a group plan that maybe your corporation was making big inroads with, with making contributions there, where you maybe didn't even realize that you had much of a healthcare plan cost. And now all of a sudden, between you and the missus, you, you have, you know, $1,000 a month, 500 bucks for each of you for, you know, a robust healthcare plan. And, you know, you might pick up some other discretionary spending, like traveling, home projects that you've gotten away from for the last 15 years. You still might have kid costs, right? Weddings or wanting to help them with their first home or, or grandchildren for that matter. Or maybe you have a hobby or some type of charity that you want to be involved with. So I would tell you that that's something that you probably want to look into first before you start making some of those assumptions. Do most of your clients, or at least do you kind of maybe advise them, hey, let's, let's, let's go for a couple of months with this budget uh, while you're still working, and let's see if this works for you, see if you're comfortable with it, or do you just do you just kind of trust them to do that on their own and just kind of maybe advise from the side, hey, this might be a good idea for you if you want to try it? Well, in plan development, I, I will um, generally you know, have to go through some type of logical steps if, if, if they want to, to go through some type of logical steps to get to that number, if it's that big of a difference, and then maybe it's not as far extreme as they think, and maybe it's somewhere closer to the original number or somewhere in between, and we'll just kind of run with that. But then when it gets to actual implementation where they actually are in retirement, and now we actually have to start creating paychecks from their nest egg, then that's an actual process where we're going to have to, you know, implement that and then they're going to be living off of some type of budget there, at least initially. And then we're going to kind of check it and see how it works. I actually just had a call with a retiree before this podcast and, and it's been in play for about five months. And it was that exact call and saying, you know, how is everything going from a, you know, financial setup between what you're getting from your pension, your social security, and how you're living from a cash flow standpoint. So sometimes there's tweaks that's needed. And sometimes it's spot on. But I, you know, it, t- it can take a little bit of, you know, one or two tries to get it right. Sounds good. Well, another area where you might get caught off in terms of expenses and, and not having as much money as you thought you would is taxes. And, you know, when we talk about the $15 minimum wage and we talk about some of the legislation that's come out in 2021, you know, I think taxes have become a big topic of conversation, even from the White House itself in terms of raising taxes. So, you know, the common belief a lot of times, forgetting it, just even forgetting about legislation and tax, rate, tax rates, people just believe they'll be, they'll be paying fewer taxes in retirement because they're not, the income's not there as much, right? You're not working. You're not bringing in those, that paycheck every day necessarily. So they think, okay. I'm not going to have to worry about taxes quite as much. But Anthony, what do people overlook in this area when they get to retirement? Yeah, that's a great question. So it is very common type of thought process that I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket or not going to pay as much taxes when I get to retirement. And in some cases, that does end up being true. But in a lot more cases we see is that it's very close or only slightly less. And in some cases it can be more. So let me give you a couple things. So number one, uh, you have people that might be retiring with a pension if they're lucky enough and say a social security or maybe two pensions and two social securities that could be equal to about what they were making uh, while they were working. And then when you factor in that you might be losing a lot of the deductions that you had during your working years, some of those deductions being 
your 401k retirement plans. Some people were making $25,000 type of contributions that they were getting deductions for, or two working households, maybe $50,000, where that helped reduce their tax rate, right? They also maybe had a mortgage at that time, and you received mortgage deduction, and a lot of people pay off their mortgage by retirement or in the later part of the amortization schedule where they're not getting quite as much uh, interest deductions there. A lot of people tend to give more and, and are a little bit more charitably inclined, which can also offset from a, from a tax standpoint. So when you take away some of those deductions, a lot of people are not having as big of a change as they once thought. Then the, the last thing I would say is that most people have been saving all their retirement assets into those 401k types of plans where I see 70 to 90% of all their liquid assets being built up in those IRA type of accounts. And they've just been growing, which obviously is what you want. But when you get to 72, you might be triggering it a, a big type of distribution with those required minimum distributions that could also prop you up into a higher tax bracket or keep you about where you're at. So those are some of the, the things that can happen and, and will happen for a lot of people. But then going another uh, another avenue, it's also that you see basically every administration presidency change the tax laws. And if we look at where we're at today from a tax historic tax standpoint, we're actually in one of the lower tax situations than we were historically. There's been much higher uh, tax rate, marginal tax rates uh, previously, where it was 60, 70, 80, and up to 90% uh, tax rates. And, and so with some of the things like Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, that are having some issues with their funding, one of the ways to drive additional revenue would be to increase the tax brackets. So you kind of have to think about some of those things from a risk management standpoint in terms of in the future, where it may not be today, but you could also be, you know, having a risk of 70, 80% of all your liquid investments are in 401ks that could also now be taxed at a higher rate if they, you know, all of a sudden change the, let's say, 12% tax bracket to the 18% tax bracket. And that little shift is is pretty dramatic, right? 6% increase uh, from 12 to 18, that, that's actually a 50% increase on your tax rate for that same those same dollars. So those are some of the things that people should be thinking about from a risk management standpoint, from a long-term tax perspective. But then the kind of where am I at today is really more about, well, let's just Put it on paper. Let's let's test your current tax situation now. Let's look at maybe when you're semi-retired or retired, or when you're thinking about taking Social Security or turning on your pension if you have one. And then let's look at it now when you take your required minimum distributions, and let's see how much it actually changes with no tax law changes. But then also let's look at the long-term element of from a tax risk management standpoint for the future. Yeah, so don't just assume the taxes. I know are gonna, that was a lot of stuff right no, there, it's, but I mean, it's important though because I think it's pretty a, complex. Yeah, a lot of people aren't thinking about all those different yeah. things, right? I mean, you just kind of think, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not bringing in the same amount of money that I was before. Taxes have to be lower, but there's a lot of considerations, and then on top of that, will tax rates increase altogether? So right. there's a lot to think about, and that could, that's a spot that can really get you in trouble too, right? I mean, I would assume that 
you're not thinking about that, that those taxes coming to you later in life. I think we hear and we talk about like a tax time bomb in retirement, but it's so true because all these different things are coming at you at once. I think a lot of people, when they actually look at that income, just you just said it perfectly. It's like, all right, I'm going from making $100,000 a year to 75000 in retirement, but they don't even consider their, their nest egg, their 401k. Most people just look at that 401k and say, okay, I have $500,000 in there, that's all mine. Well, it's not all yours because you didn't you know, pay your other portion out to the, to the government in terms of what you owe there. So it, I think it's just sometimes that, that gets, gets lost and you, and you see it in the meetings where people say, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. All right, another area of, of retirement assumptions that I want to talk about is, is paying for college. And this is one I think that a lot – a lot more pre-retirees are kind of facing now. Um, you know, they've had kids a little bit later in life than maybe their parents or their grandparents. So you kind of get to this decision as you're approaching retirement. All right, my kids are going to school. Should I help them with their college tuition, right? So they're not just burdened with debt when they get out of school and start to work. Or do I really focus my energy on saving for retirement and worried about where I am and making sure I'm taken care of before that? And I think the common assumption in this scenario is that, I need to take care of my kids first and worry about me second. Ben, you just brought my future into the present. It's it's mine too, buddy. It's mine too. I'm in the same boat. Uh, you know that I'll I'll be right in that that wheelhouse with having the same type of situation for me. So thank you for uh, bringing me <laughs> bringing that to me right now. But I would say that I feel a little differently on this one than probably the average advisor. Okay. And what I mean by that is that I, I think most people who come in and say that, you know, I want to help my kids through college are saying it for a reason. And I want to acknowledge that because that's probably important to them if they brought it up. And it I don't know that it's my role to say to them that, you know, you, you can't get financial aid for retirement. They can get financial aid for college, that type of thing, which is already, I think, kind of obvious. I, I think most people already know that. But I'd say let, let's let's try to make that happen, right? Let's, let's see where it's at first. Let's do the analysis and see how it's working. And if it works, then that's great, right? I mean, a lot of people have goals to not just retire to something. They might have other things that they want to do with their life that's meaningful, whether it's a charity, a legacy, and, and make other ways to make impacts during retirement. I, and so I think it's our my job to try to solve the puzzle for them and, and help make that a reality and, and give them the clarity and confidence if, if it can work. And also the other side of it is, hey, you know, it's it, the math is not really working out. And, you know, there's different ways to go about that, right, in terms of making some cuts. I think they're going to know whether or not they want to make a cut to their lifestyle or a cut in terms of maybe not putting as much down on the kid's education, maybe taking a loan or co-signing or having them put some in their name. Uh, obviously, all those options that can be on the table after. Let's go through the analysis and let's see how we would make this happen in the most efficient manner. But if it can't, I think ultimately they they'll figure out what cuts that they want to make. I can tell you that we have a client from about 10 years ago that was interviewing advisors. She met with two other advisors 
and she said the same exact thing about wanting to um, help her kids through college. And she said that was basically she made the the comment of I'm I'm working with you because you're the only one that didn't say that you can get you can't get financial aid for retirement. She had heard <laughs> that from the the two advisors before me, and yeah. my you know my thought was just what I said. It, it's probably it, it, internally I said you know it's, obviously this is important to her. Let's let's make it let's figure it out. And you know she's been with me for ten years now. That's pretty awesome. And I think that is the, the, the common line I think you'll hear is there's not financial aid for retirement. So right. it is a unique. It's true, but it's also to the point of it's not your life. Right, right. And, and this is, if that's a priority, let's figure out a solution for it, right? That's the key. That's why you work with an advisor, so they can build a plan that's custom to what you need. It's not just, hey, well, you cannot provide help for your kid. Here's your financial plan. You know, go forward. It's about building something for somebody that they want, something that's important to them. So that's that's a, that's definitely, I'm glad to ask you that because that's a different perspective than you would hear in a lot of cases, but that's good to know. All right, last one, and you know, this is one that people come in probably with you for the first time when they sit down you know, in a meeting and whether they're close to retirement or not, and I think this happens more often when somebody's you know, rapidly approaching retirement because that day a lot of times will just kind of sneak up on you. You've kind of gone about life. You've forgotten hey, I'm, I'm only a few years away from retirement here. Or you start seeing your friends start to retire and it's kind of a wake-up call. But a lot of people just assume for whatever reason they don't have enough saved. I, I haven't been doing a good enough job over the years. I'm just never going to be able to retire. You know, I think it's it's just a glass half full, half empty of... It's so easy to get sucked into the, the negative side of, of the... And I get, you know, the we all, I think, are guilty of looking back and at... You know whether it's high school, college, your life, and that we could have done things better in, in some form or fashion, and, and saving for retirement, I don't think it's any different. But you know, we we recently had a uh, a client, a newer client, that came on board, and she she had been divorced twice. Overall, more or less, the the breadwinner. She, she's a um, nurse practitioner. She lost her both. You know, of of she lost her nest egg along the way in in the divorce, and raised three kids, basically herself, and had to basically restart saving for retirement, in her like at fifty years old, she's now sixty seven, and has almost not quite but almost a million dollars in her, in in retirement assets, and I, you know, I look at her. And I could say, like, how, how many times could she have probably given up, right? You, you create a nest egg, and then you, it's mm-hmm. somehow, you know, for whatever reason was, you know, given up in a divorce. Uh, you know, maybe she got the house. I don't, I don't know. But and then the same thing happened again. She could have easily just given up plenty of times and not been as diligent. And, and she, she, you know, stuck with it and has now put herself in a, in a great situation for retirement between her Social Security and her and her pension and and her nest egg that you know she'll be retiring in the next year or two but i just look at that and and say that i'm sure it was a lot and there's a lot that she probably went through uh between her 40s and her you know up to 60 to get herself back in that uh, climb back up right and Mm -hmm. so you know to me it's it's never too late let's not dwell on the past and look forward to see what's possible 
Very good. And and remember, it's not going to happen overnight either, right? It's a, no. It's a process, and, and you got to put it in place and just kind of follow those steps. But over time, you'll start to see those uh, those that work and that effort start to materialize, and there you go. You'll be ready for retirement. So it's important, though, that you get a plan together. You work with someone that you don't have to just assume these things are going to happen. You'll know for sure what direction you're headed, if you're in good shape, will you be ready for retirement, can you retire, all these things can be answered with a solid plan. Let's find out what people are thinking about right now, Anthony. got a couple questions that came in to the show that I want to get to before we get out of here. The first one came in from Bo, and again, you can send them all in to us via the website, cardinalwg.com. Bo asks, I need about 5000 to live on each month in retirement, and my Social Security and pension will total about 5300 does this mean I'll be able to leave my entire 401k behind to my son? Well, I'm not exactly sure, you know, how, how big of a nest egg it is, but, or your tax situation, right? Because your pension and Social Security still got to pay taxes. So there's going to be, sounds like a little bit of a gap, but it sounds like you're on the right track, right? You have the majority of your uh, guaranteed money, Social Security and pension being pretty, pretty darn close to uh, your, your budget there. But, you know, you guys still got to factor in inflation, right? Your retirement budget's probably going to get a little bit higher. And most pensions don't increase with inflation, most. And then just think about some other expenses, potentially, whether it's just some fun money, some discretionary spending, health care, long-term care costs, and, and taxes. And But ultimately, it sounds like you're at a pretty good spot and, you know, might be able to look at some strategies in order to, you know, uh, figure out how to leave behind money to to your son. So could could be in good shape, could maybe maybe need a little more work or maybe a little bit more money before you can think about that. But a a little, you know, a plan will and it doesn't have to be overly complex just to you know make sure you're testing some of these things. And but, you know, anytime somebody has like 90 percent of their money from guaranteed sources uh, uh, towards their budget, at least, yeah, would say that they're on the right track, right? For yeah. for at least from a retirement spending standpoint. All right, let's close it out with a question that kind of ties into our the way we started this episode on a $15 minimum wage. Davey asks, it seems like inflation hasn't been very bad recently. Should I be worried about it in future years? I don't know. Worry is the right word, right? It's it's kind of like one of those silent killers. They're all of a sudden, like I said, you know, thinking back when wages were at $4 and some odd cents an hour. And next thing you know, now we're talking about $15. I would just kind of keep it in your plan, right? So if you have a financial plan you, that you put together and you have some type of, you should have some type of assumption in there with, with inflation. Some probably were between 2 to 3% and maybe like 4 to 5% on healthcare costs. But um, I would just see how it works out in your plan, and I don't know if it's something that you'd really have to worry about. I just think it's some uh, a variable or a component of your plan to see, make sure that your money's you know working enough for you to at least keep up with inflation. Very good. Thanks for that question, Davey. Also, Bo, we appreciate it. You can find us online, cardinalwg.com, and you can schedule a time to talk with Anthony, meet with Anthony if you want to get a plan in order and go through some of these things in a little more detail. That's the best way to do it. You can find them online, cardinalwg.com. All right, let's get out of here, Anthony. appreciate the information on assumptions, clearing up some of those things. I think there's some really good information today. Thanks, Ben. Have a great day.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.